0: Good morning, and happy Veterans Day for all you veterans out there. For Northeast by Midwest, my name, well, you knew, it's Jonathan Jones. I haven't changed it yet, and I'm here today with my good friend, my colleague, my coworker, brother in Christ. The list goes on, and your name is? Troy Ancona. Yes, Troy Ancona. Uh, you know, I never, I should, I should call you TA. I know, but anyway, I won't do that. <laughs> He's known around here as Mr. Ancona. He runs uh, Lisbon Falls Christian Academy does a great job at that and if you remember from last time did paint for a long time. So if you ever need to paint, he's probably going to hate this, but this is the guy to talk to. He knows his paints. And uh, Ben, by the way, on that, Benjamin Moore is the best paint out there, right?
1: I think it's the only paint out there. I'm, I'm with you. I'm a little, I'm a little biased.
0: Well, you're definitely biased. And my wife is too. She agrees. I'm kind of the other side that's in a come see, come saw. So, but hey, if you say that's what it is. So today um, we did one last time. I think we called it lessons from Chamberlain. And Uh, Troy, uh, I still need to do it, he runs, um, did they call you a docent? Is that what you're called? Well, I
1: was. I'm now a site manager.
0: You're now a site manager at the Joshua Chamberlain Museum. Is that correct? Correct. But um, we're going to refer to him as General Joshua Chamberlain, and we're going to have a conversation today, and we're going to really focus on probably, would it be fair for me to ask this question, maybe the most disagreeable part of his life, which is, was Joshua Chamberlain really a committed Christian? Is that fair? Or yep. One of the more de- debatable things. And so as two Christians, you obviously know what perspective we're coming from. But Troy's going to just kind of walk us through today. You know, what was Chamberlain's faith like? And he's got a variety of things here. I've taken some pictures of some of them. I'll post them at some point on my Twitter, uh, Facebook, when when this releases. And uh, so I'm just going to ask you the question and you kind of walk us through and teach me. You know, was Joshua Chamberlain a Christian? And and how would you kind of argue uh, what what his faith was like, and why would you argue that?
1: Well, I, I would probably introduce it this way, is that uh, though it, sometimes it takes a a, a side uh, uh, track approach, most historians, even if they're not Christians or writing from a biblical perspective, kind of go, you can't really understand Chamberlain if you understand that he was... Uh, they will say extremely religious. Mm. Uh, of course, you know we're here to look at uh, a little deeper than what is religious. Um, right. And I'll just put a disclaimer in. It. I'm talking to a pastor. You know, you, you know this as well as I do that no man can know his heart. Right. Uh, but we do have, you know, we do have the, a testimony. And I would say yes. I mean, I think it's it's pretty evident the the man couldn't write anything without some form of biblical reference, e- either private letters. Uh, As we go through this session, we'll talk about letters to his mother, letters to his sister, public writings, uh, Mm -hmm. proclamations as governor, uh, things of that nature. He's pretty consistent, and he also, along with that, and you being a pastor would appreciate this, he went to seminary. Yeah. And so he, uh, later in life, he was in York, Maine, Hmm. and he was, was near the end of his life, and he referenced candidating Uh, before the the war, uh, just after seminary, because he was considering going into the ministry.
0: Well, in a lot of ways, you know, one of the things I think about Chamberlain is, it was almost like he was in the ministry. You know, even when you watch, like, I I know there's some Hollywood with it, but you watch the famous Gettysburg movie, and, you know, there's several lines in there where, you know, uh, what, what's that line you always say about Providence? Uh, my, my life's in the hand of Providence, something like that. Yeah. What,
1: how does it go? Well, Chamberlain, and it is, it's one of his literally favorite quotes, is uh, in the hands of Providence. And that's mm. where uh, one of the probably best-known biographies out there, written by Alice uh, Reigns Trulock, uh, the title of it is in the hands of Providence. Amen. And he always, capital P, prov- which is something that we... You and I've talked about this. We don't we don't think about providence in the way they do, and he used it a lot.
0: Yeah, he did. So you know, the only reason I start this way, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna let Troy go because he is a in a good way. He is a horse ready to run here. Um, but you know, I, I think one of the things just so folks know is at least the people I know, and I would imagine even at places around here like Bowdoin and Bates College, Troy probably knows as much about Chamberlain as anybody else. What even though you may not have. the the degrees behind your name. Degrees are just pieces of paper anyway. Uh, (laughs) He's done his homework. And so I'm excited to just kind of sit and learn. So how about like baseball? Because Chamberlain would have known about baseball, right? So maybe walk us through first, second, third, home plate today on, you know, maybe not arguing, but teaching through, look, this is why uh, Chamberlain was a Christian. This is what his faith looked like. So where would you kind of start with that? If you were, you know, if I was asking you and saying, okay, so how do I know this guy was a Christian? Um, from sort of the beginning to the end, and, and what was his faith
1: like? Well, I think I think one of the important things to start with with the Chamberlain is understanding his family. Uh, you know, we think of Deuteronomy six that talks about you know fathers teaching their children, uh, and and also passages about the roles mothers play. Mm. Uh, And Chamberlain's family was definitely religious. Uh, You know, we're talking 19th century Maine. So he's born 1828, congregational background. Mm -hmm. Uh, Later in life, we won't get into it probably here, but when he's writing, uh, he's giving a speech in in 1876, he has an interesting digression. He's talking about Maine history. And he explains the difference between uh, the Church of England, the Puritans, the Congregationalists, and and he he uh, very clearly lays points out, hmm. and it's interesting that okay hmm. he's in Philadelphia World's Fair. This is 1876. Right. It's an industrial manufacturing fair. Yeah, and he's he goes pretty long on huh. the religion of of Maine and the, the key and you know explaining well as Congregationalists. We're similar, but we're different in these ways. So he's got a congregational background.
0: Interesting.
1: Uh, his his family he has uh, we won't go too far into it, but I, I, there are some great stories in the family that I think lays the foundation for understanding him. He was the eldest, okay. born in 1828. He had a brother Horace, uh, uh, and then he had a brother a sister Say. Uh, Horace was born 1834. His sister Say was born 1836. Uh, he had a brother John that was born in 1838. Oh wow! And then he had his brother Tom, 1841. Okay. Now, you know, uh, Horace died very young of tuberculosis at 27. Uh, we, I personally, I should say it this way, I haven't seen a lot about him and his faith, so I can't, you know, I can't say anything there. And you know, we don't, I don't know how much we have of, on him. Uh, John, his brother, uh, uh, I'm going to skip say for a second. His brother John, uh, born in 1836, went to Bowden Bangor Theological Seminary. Mom wanted her kids to be a minister. Wow. Now she wanted that of Joshua. Yeah. The father wanted a military <clears throat> career. Interestingly, until the war started. And right. when the war started, that yeah. kind of that that went away. Yeah. Uh, and that sounds familiar. But John went to seminary and he died young. He died 29 of tuberculosis. Uh, He graduated in 1865. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay, so basically near the end of the war. Yeah. Now, it sounded like it was delayed a little bit. He actually worked for the Christian Commission uh, during the war. Uh, He, that I know of uh, Gettysburg, of all battles. He was out on the battlefield at Gettysburg.
0: No way. Which
1: a lot of people don't know. So John is there.
0: Not with his brothers. Oh, he Um, was...
1: uh, he okay. was he was with his brothers oh he was yeah okay. well horses wow. horses Horace, okay. died in 1861 of tuberculosis okay. so you put okay. this in in perspective because we're, we're going to see two things all that the family went through and their faith remained strong mm-hmm. and that's going to be an important Amen. thing that we're going to see Amen. to the end uh because jo- uh, joshua and tom enlists in 1862 and they're on the battlefield uh joshua was on the battlefield at antietam tom got sick but Tom caught up a little bit later. They're both on the battlefield at Fredericksburg in December of 1862. With, with General Chamberlain. Uh, well, this is Joshua, General Chamberlain. Oh, he's, okay. he's, he's Lieutenant at that he's point. A lieutenant. But, okay. Yeah, no, good question. Keep it clear, there's too many Chamberlains. So <laughs> uh, Joshua, he's now Lieutenant Colonel, and Tom are on the battlefield, okay. both by Christmas of 1862 in Fredericksburg. Wow. Uh, Horace has died in 1861 of tuberculosis, We get to uh, the winter of 18 uh, sorry the uh, uh, the battle of 1863 of Gettysburg, and John goes to visit, huh, and they are all on horseback according to Joshua and John is writing a diary, so we have dueling accounts. They're riding up the hill and Confederate cannon fire comes in, Mm -hmm. and uh, Joshua makes a joke of the Confederates tended to shoot long, Uh, and so they're overshooting his line and he uh, you know a shot exploded in the trees or whatever it was and he looked at his brother tom said go to the rear looked at his brother john said get off the field or it could be a hard day for mother because horace was dead okay. so one cannon if that cannon shot had been on target he's saying that would, that would have been it. Wow. so john is john's uh, uh, career in college and seminary was delayed a little bit because of this okay. so he graduates in 1865 uh, when he gets out of the war, he goes to New York, and he is uh, described as preaching two times a week, and he's looking for more work. Oh, wow. Uh, he, he has, we've talked about this before, how we're in a, an environment now where pastors, a lot of pastors today have to have two jobs. Right. He did. Yeah. Uh, he, had, he worked in a, uh, actually in a, a government IRS office, okay. but also was a, a pastor. Well,
0: what an interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you talk about an con- uh, you know, uh, interesting uh, conflict of, of duties. But Chamberlain, uh, t- John Chamberlain, uh, gets sick okay. in 1866. Wow. So just a year after the war. Wow. And he had shown signs of it before, uh, and it all of a sudden got really bad. And so he was told to go back home to Castine, Maine. Because uh, they thought uh, this was the era uh, environment was good for you right okay so uh, they they called it consumption too. Sure. So uh, if you you know you need to go, they thought the sea air mm-hmm. would be good. They gave him two choices: Florida or Maine. Mm-hmm. So he goes back to Maine. He dies shortly thereafter. Huh. But what it really struck me is uh, and this was a Gettysburg uh, historian wrote uh, in, a, in a book about the, the Chamberlains of Brewer. That he spent the, his last days working with the children of a local church, no way. A, as a youth, uh, we would say, a youth pastor. Wow. And by the sound of it, as long as he was moving, she didn't, you know, spell it right out. But basically, he was—he did that until he died, huh. and shared a letter the kids gave him before he died. And so that's John. This is—we're just building kind of a framework for Joshua. Yeah. His sister Say was was uh, always described as being very religious. Okay, uh, she was the second mother. Uh, And, you know, I I won't spend as much time on her, but we have uh, descriptions of her before being very religious. She had five children and only two survived to adulthood. Uh, Her brother, John, died in 1866. She named her first son, who was born in 1867, John, and he died a year later. Uh, Her second child was a girl who survives. Third child was named after her husband, Charles, he died at two. Oh, man. Third son was Lawrence Joshua, named for her brother, okay. which is his name, by the way right. Lawrence Joshua. Yeah. And uh, he died before the age of two. Huh. And then she had a son which uh, survived. And so she had been through, she lost, you know, she lost her brother Horace, she lost her brother John, uh, she lost three uh, three children. And one thing uh, the author said at the end of the book, which really struck me, is at the end of her life, through all that she had been through, her faith was her her faith was stronger. Amen. And so again, there's a lot more digging I'd like to I'd like to do in John, and and uh, say how uh, do you spell say?
0: Just on, it they spelled
1: it S A E. S A E. Her name was Sarah.
0: Sarah, okay. But
1: they, they called her Say. They called her Say. Okay. Some called her Sadie, Sadie. except okay. her baby brother Tom, and he always called her Sarah. Sarah, okay. So her name is Sarah, but she, they called her uh, Say.
0: So with your uh, permission slash uh, encouragement, I think I just got the title for this one. It's going to have to be part one and two, which is The Family and Faith of General Joshua Chamberlain. How yep. does that sound? Yeah, no, because, it's a fair. And, and I yep. want to ask you this as a Christian, so I want to come back, I want to come from 2022 and go back to, let's say, you know, 1840 or whatever, um, you would pick. One of the things about Christianity is, Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. It's not easy. And and what I'm hearing, and and, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, You're, you're the historian here, but what I'm hearing is what I see in the scriptures. A patient, enduring, persevering faith that even when you want to let go, God won't let you go. Yeah. Right. And w- would that be fair of this family? Because I mean, man, when I think about that, I, your father, I have children, I haven't buried any child, and I hope to God I don't have to. But to bury this many and and to still have faith, um, in, in in an Almighty, Provident God is is some kind of faith. You
1: know? Well, it is, and no, I do think it's a fair a fair analogy, and 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 just to kind of put it in perspective. So here's, if you look at Chamberlain's parents, uh, his father's name was Joshua. Uh, Chamberlain is named for Commodore Lawrence. Okay. Okay, that's where the Lawrence comes in. Mm-hmm. Lawrence Joshua. And the mother, uh, they, she's described as uh, a French Huguenot ancestry. Okay. Uh, he's always very, very proud of his mother. A funny story of Chamberlain is when he's shot at Petersburg and he thinks he's dying. His comment is My French Huguenot mother will think her son a coward because I was shot in the back. <laughs> Chamberlain thought he'd been hit in the back and he didn't realize until later uh, when he got to the hospital he'd been shot in the hip Uh and that paints a real tough image of his mother which is only partially accurate because she was very passionate about what her boys in particular would do Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm sure there's things there about her daughter but her boys it was always the ministry and that's the term she used Uh the ministry and so uh, they did go through quite a bit and if you look at they had Horace uh, married no children, John married no children before they died. Uh, Say and Joshua, uh, the uh, Tom married late after the war. Uh, he was basically, he should have been in college when the war started. So he missed out on Bowdoin. He's the only boy not to go to Bowdoin. Uh, and literally he was 20 when he went off to war. So he comes back, he's 23. And by that point, he just doesn't get back. You know, he just doesn't do it and he had health issues, married late, and he died uh, around the age of 50, no children. So they've got two offspring, and you think about, uh, as a dad, you're thinking legacy, okay, you know, the family name, things like that. So they've got uh, sisters say, or their daughters say, and they've got Joshua, 10 kids between the two of them. Wow. And of 10 children. Two of Joshua's and two of Say's would survive to adulthood. Wow. And neither of those two, uh, well, I'm sorry, Chamberlain's uh, older daughter had three girls, but they didn't have any children. Mm. So the family, so you, you see a lot of, you see a lot of death, uh, you know, and, and uh, even the author that wrote the Chamberlain's mm-hmm. of Brewer, made the reference, the family seemed to go through more than it deserved. Yeah. Uh, it was a hard time. Which which I think in a lot of ways, to me, speaks of their incredible faith. You
0: know um, that that you know, it, and isn't this an issue within Christianity now? Whether it's apologetically defending the faith back then, but I think we see it a lot today, where uh, there has been sort of an American easy Christianity yeah. that we, um, because of so much medical advances, which is fantastic, but we've had it pretty easy, yeah. and. When we see uh, people like this, I am, I mean, it almost brings me to tears, honestly, just to think about what this family went through. And so when I hear phrases like, in the hands of providence, it's very hard for me to get my mind around that this man didn't know the Lord. And so I'm arguing the same thing you did, just because who, who would say that and yet go through some of the horrible atrocities? So, you know, you've got a bunch of things laid out for us here, and i, I we, we probably won't get through all of them today, and I'm fine with that because... Hey, I'm, I'm sitting here feasting. I think this is great. So for our, for our history buffs, I, I, I think I'm a history Uff. I don't, I can't add the B part, the buff part, but anyway, <laughs> um, where would you kind of start then when, when you come to sort of the end of the family or where would you like to start? You know, whether it's with his conversion or some of the writings, like, like one of the things off the top of my head, you get to it today or not, but you know, the proclamation he makes as governor. I mean, my gracious, this guy could write. Yeah. And so he expressed that. So where, when you think of some of the expressions of Chamberlain's faith and, and your conviction of, his conviction of his faith, where would you take us on that journey?
1: Well, I, I think you, a good place to start would be, I mean, we, we've kind of touched on it. We've skimmed over his boyhood. We really haven't talked about him, but we've talked about his family and you get kind of a good idea of how they are raised. So to me, where he breaks out is college. Okay. And if you think about it, even today, when the metal is tested, uh, you know we, uh, you know, I have a son in the military. I had a daughter go to college. I had another son that went off, in, you know, right into the working world. And when they leave, that's when the parents are okay. What's going to go on? Uh, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to uh, quote anything from it, but I'll reference it. Uh, I, 1848 as a freshman one of the letters he has, uh, we have, is he's writing to his pastor. Huh. And interestingly, uh, it, and it's found on Bowdoin College's website, uh, they actually have it, you can read it right online, and they reference, we technically don't know who he's writing the letter to because he is just pastor. Huh. Now we live in a culture, you know, you're Pastor John, and we've got Pastor Brian and Pastor right. Rodrigo, and, and we tend to write that way. but. Mm-hmm. He just wrote pastor. Right. Now that said, they they know who what church he came from, so they're pretty sure they know who it is. And what they say on their website is that his pastor was his mentor, and even going off to college. So you think about, that. that's another evidence that there's, uh, you know, Lisbon Falls Baptist Church being and making disciples. Right. So the pastor is aiding the family in, in this raising. And Chamberlain writes back, and it's, it's uh, he's he's not as uh, polished uh, literary wise, but he's very uh, he's very romantic uh, mm-hmm. in, uh, in his thinking, very deep thinker, uh, and he's writing to his pastor, uh, paraphrasing, worrying that his faith is enough, hmm. and referencing that he's been praying for faith, okay. uh, and he alludes to he's not very clear, but he alludes to uh, it's academics. Uh, he has met some Bowdoin boys who aren't uh, serious in their faith. He uses a different word that we wouldn't use today that would, probably wouldn't make a lot of sense. But uh, they weren't, you know, and he was concerned about who he was. He was trying to align himself with uh, with people that would encourage his faith. And to me, that's a testimony that he's at an early stage. He's, he's, he's trying to focus in on that. So that would be the one thing. But... Honestly, where he really breaks out is the Civil War. So before that, though, this was
0: 1949 or 1849, you said? 1848, 1848. is when he wrote this letter to his pastor. Yep. Strike that from the conversation. 1949 is 100 years later, <laughs> so, <laughs> 1848. So how old is he at that time? He's before, 20. He's 20. So when the Civil War starts, then he's about 33, 34. Okay. So. His medals tested, and I, I guess the only thing I'm thinking is back, you know, I'll be 44 here in about a week. Um, you know, you're in your you're in your mid-50s. Boy, I, I wonder if I would have written a letter like that at 19. You're 20. I mean, that's... So, you know, the point being is, he's already, I mean, when, when you're already at the point that you can recognize that your faith is being tested... Right. You, you've got a deep understanding. And the only thing I wanted to add, and then you keep going with Chamberlain is... I think one of the best prayers in the Bible is a centurion that says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Right. right. And, and, and and yeah. that sounds like that, you know, and isn't that a great prayer for us as Christians, you know, yeah. that so many times I do believe, but probably not as much as I should. And, and so what humility. And, and when I think back of the pictures in my head, I know you probably have more, but I think of Gettysburg and, and, you know, when he orders the charge as they go down the hill, you know, that ultimately in a lot of ways, probably, Turns the war. And some some would argue that that particular charge in the midst of Gettysburg, if they lose that, boy, we're in trouble. You know, it's it's his faith in God that ultimately keeps him set. And so, you know, just thinking of that as a young man, oh, oh, to be and oh, to have young men and young women that are in their late teens and 20s that stand up like, you know, General Chamberlain does.
1: Well, and the one thing I would add to that, and and I don't want anybody in the audience to to misconstrue this, but the hardness of their life, uh, you know, I've I've gone into, I've researched uh, Civil War soldiers, and I'll stop in old cemeteries, and I'll seek them out. Uh, Mm -hmm. I was up in, I want to say it was Oxford or I was passing through Oxford, and I stopped in this cemetery, and they had a Civil War memorial, and I wanted to photograph it. Well, I got in the cemetery, and i could see uh, there's markers the civil war is marked with uh, with a particular marker if you're aware of it and so you can find them pretty quick so i'm bouncing around to the to the markers and there's a family it's two family plots together and i forget how many kids there were but there were they had two children that were in the civil war i want to say at least one of the two maybe both died in the war and then along with that i saw two or three Children's markers all dying under the age of two. Now, that's you know, this is something that uh, you know, modern medicine uh, has alleviated this. So, getting back to this letter, uh, we tend to mature later, Mm -hmm. and I think some of it is because we don't go through what they went through. Mm -hmm. Chamberlain, at the age of 20, had already been through a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, his brother was still alive at this point, but the thing is his grandfather's shipyard was burned by the british okay he, he he talks about you know playing in in the shipyards and things like that so the family's been through the war of 1812 his father was was in the militia for uh for the Aroostook county war uh, so they have a military background so the, they've had some experiences and that tends to harden you yeah Later in life, and I, I won't read it. It's actually I'm pointing. It, I'm pointing to it, uh, but in his governance address, he referred to God as the melter of metals, huh. and it's obviously I'm thinking Peter. You know, Peter references that, and he, it's it's interesting how he waxes it in and how mankind doesn't see this, yeah. and he he refers to God as the refiner of silver, hmm. and so by 20, Chamberlain is. You know, I think of uh, Charlton Heston in the Ten Commandments. There's a yeah. line that says, uh, you know, and the guy, he had been through, you know, I forget how it goes, he'd been through the, uh, you know, the fires and God yeah. was refining them. Amen. Well, Chamberlain was in the early stages of that. But when he gets into the war, uh, this becomes transparent, namely because now we have a lot of letters. Yeah. And, and to say that, so I'm not so sure if it's a sign of increased faith, but we have increased writings. Yeah. Uh, You know, that said, his faith does seem to grow. Uh, One of the early letters in the war that he writes, uh, and I forget, it was to his family, I forget, uh, he writes to his sister a lot, especially after his brothers uh, pass away. Uh, But he writes to his family and he says, uh, I shall most likely be hit at some time. And he references the fact that he understands that he may die. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you know, this is a young 30-year-old man, And then he says, but my times are in his hands. A clear clear reference to, you know, to the Psalms. And by the way, that is another thing that we probably won't go uh, to really explore to the deepest. uh, His references to scripture, Mm -hmm. you know, I can't, you know, we live in an era where if I have a brain cramp, I can grab my digital phone and I can keyword search and and, and kind of pop something out. And yeah, he did have Bibles. But I can't picture him writing a letter to his family and then grabbing a Bible and opening it up and trying to find a verse so to me there and it is abundant there is so many references or uh, allusions to Scripture
0: it's almost what we would call like a transliteration right? you know where uh, I might say uh, like Romans 8 you know 28 for all things work together for good and it seems like from the stuff that I've given um, I want to read the book sitting in front of us at some point here, if you'd allow me pass into the armies. But, you know, he'll, he'll make these statements. And, and, and so instead of directly quoting Romans eight twenty eight and say all things work together for good, he would maybe make a statement like um, God is, like we'll say, God is good all the time. You know, which is sort of, yeah. a, you know. And, Correct. And, and, and I would just add, I think for those that would argue that Chamberlain's not a Christian, you know, or was just a religious guy. That's part of their argument, right? As well, he didn't directly always quote scripture. Well, I mean, look, neither do we all the time. Now, we we should hide it in our word, you know, hide his word in our heart. Uh, But the reality is, it seems to me that his flavor. I don't know if we'll get there today if we have time, but I I would just encourage those. There's a proclamation that General Governor Chamberlain wrote. He was also General um, for Thanksgiving, and I mean, it is. I reading it, I immediately thought of scripture. I mean, he makes a, some statement in there to the effect that um, that all praise and thanksgiving should be given to, I don't know if he says our sovereign creator, but it kind of gives the flavor. And it's like, I mean, that's like the whole book of Psalms. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so you started with this letter here. What, what other kind of things would you walk us through when you think of kind of, you know, Chamberlain's faith? Where would you sort of take us from 1848 as we kind of move along?
1: Well, one of the things that, you know, I remember as I studied... Uh, Chamberlain and, and studying men of history, and I don't want to use the word jaded, but uh, I, I've become realistic in that we tend to make everybody a Christian. Uh, and, you know, I'm being fair, I remember I grew up in the era that all the founding fathers were Christians. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's certainly evidence of uh, biblical backgrounds, and a lot of them were Christians, mm-hmm. but not all of them. Sure. Uh, but in any case, I always want what I call the smoking gun.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, I can reference God. I can quote scripture. Uh, you know, I've heard men quote scripture uh, in from universities and colleges that teach religion, but I know from the way they talk, they're not Christians. Right. They have a knowledge. So I look for the smoking gun, so I'll, I'll share just one of my, a uh, couple of my favorites. Uh, June 18th, 1864, uh, he was shot through the hip at Petersburg. Mm. So he is... And interestingly, that morning he woke up and he was very positive. He was always, my times are in his hands. Uh, you know, he, he would be very clear with his family that he understood. But that morning he got up, got up and he told his commanding general that, uh, as he put it, the dark angel has visited me and I'm not coming through this engagement. Hmm. Uh, and that's not perfect, but that's basically a quote. And he was referencing what to give to his family. Huh. And when pressed upon it, he said he was going to get a shot in the abdomen. So he even knew. So it was like he had like a premonition from he, he, the Lord. Well, and he said it was, he said it was, it wasn't while he was sleeping. We're not talking the Samuel thing where Samuel's in bed and he's, he wakes up hearing this voice. This was supposed in the early morning hours. Wow. He was awake and this feeling came over him. Well, without, you know, to paraphrase the story, he was so convinced of it that he was riding his horse Charlemagne. He took his bed blanket and he put it on the front of his saddle trying to stop that mythical bullet from striking him. And then his horse was wounded and he was on foot. And as he was advancing on foot, the color bearer went down, he grabbed the colors and he turned to give an order to the men to move forward. They're charging on a Confederate line. And as he turned his body, so it's perpendicular to the Confederates, a bullet struck him in the right hip and went through his midsection. So he indeed was shot in the abdomen, but he was shot hip to hip. It damaged his urethra, it damaged his bladder. Uh, In its day, these were almost always mortal wounds because they didn't have the ability of reconstructive surgery. Mm -hmm. And it's a fascinating story and and, uh, we'll keep it simple, but basically what saved his life is a doctor from New York who... Uh, was in his brigade and knew of the 20th Maine. They w- they would have, they fought. If you're familiar with Gettysburg, the 44th New York is on top of the hill at Gettysburg, and then you have the sixty eighty third 83rd Pennsylvania, then you have the 20th Maine, and so literally they had marched together. This doctor had been trained in in modern medicine about reconstructive surgery, and so he was able to save his life after another doctor had told him he was going to die. Hmm. Well, anyway, in this process, Chamberlain. Uh, tears a piece of paper out of his field order book. So he's now wounded, correct? He's wounded yeah. and he's in a field hospital. Uh-huh. Okay. And he's just been told that he's, they don't think he's gonna survive. Okay. So as any man is, I've already referenced what he said about his mother because he thought he was shot in the back and, uh, and all that. But uh, he's, now, he's now basically thinking he's gonna die. And this is just an excerpt of it. Uh, he writes a beautiful letter to his wife uh, and he says uh, and uh, I've got a copy of it I'll print it off for you but uh, I think it's Bowdoin College has it My darling wife I am lying mortally wounded the doctors think but here's what I love but my mind and heart are at peace Jesus Christ is my all sufficient Savior <laughs> So, you know you can you can try to make an argument uh, that, you know the, the trench conversion or whatever, you know yeah, but to me, there's too much evidence that he he was already there, and this and he goes on. Uh, the letter ends. How happy to feel oneself forgiven. Huh. Amen. So, to me, that's one of my, my favorite uh, uh, examples of of Chamberlain, wow. and he literally, uh, as he's saying goodbye, he says, "We shall all soon meet on that other shore." Amen. So he expresses forgiveness. He, if you think about the heart of the gospel, oh. he expresses Jesus is the way, yep. forgiveness of sin, mm-hmm. and the hope that we have of eternal life. Through Jesus. So it's John 3.16, yeah. uh, without him saying so. And that's just one example, and I'll, just a couple more that are, are real good. Uh, he, he talks about, uh, at one point, uh, this is uh, after the war, I'm kind of jumping ahead, uh, it is um, no I'm sorry it's 1864 so this is during the war he's writing a letter to his mother mother I have laid plans in my day and good ones I thought but they never succeeded something else better did and I could see it play in his day that God had done it and for my own good wow. so and this is this that comment there manifests itself in multiple ways in speeches all through his life 1876 he makes uh, reference to, and this is getting to the providence of God, which we, they had a real deep understanding of. And if you think about all the family had been through and that culture, not just the Jane ones, but over, he'll talk about our times are in his hands. Jesus did it for my good. Uh, in, in 1876 in Philadelphia, he says that God is the controller of the time and boundary of nations, literally quoting Acts 17. Amen. And so over... Uh, uh, he he says in Philadelphia, 1876, of the trials the state of Maine went through in its colonization and hardship, that uh, what uh, had been seen as evil, God made for good. So, in referencing Joseph, uh, so over and over again, he he whether good or bad, he he shows this this looking forward that there's a God that's in control. Mm. Amen. Amen. I
0: love it. I mean, it's it's hard to argue. That phrase there's two phrases of what that you that you said today that he said that stuck out. The one I can't remember something like God refines
1: us like silver. What was that phrase? Oh yeah, that yeah, he he's uh it's in his governor's address. It's actually right there and you can you can keep that copy but uh, it's in that first section, and he ends with God uh, being the melter, the refiner of silver. Yeah, something along that line. Yeah,
0: yeah, I the melter of metals.
1: And then I love that last
0: phrase. I mean, you know, I, it, it's hard to believe uh, that someone does not know Christ who says He's my all-sufficient Savior. Um, that's a <laughs> that's about as close to the gospel as you can get, because Jesus isn't a partial savior or a mostly savior. He's either Lord or he's not. You know, as C.S. Lewis would say, he's liar, lunatic, or Lord. And I think we, I think from listening to Chamberlain, you know, Governor Chamberlain, uh, I'm sorry. I keep getting it mixed up. As you say, call him General Chamberlain's writings. The reality is uh, he would say Jesus is Lord. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, and he, you know, he talks about at a later time and and, uh, after he goes home to recover from his wound, uh, he's, and uh, rightfully so, his family, Bowdoin College, uh, his family, his parents, his wife, are all encouraging him to stay home because he really isn't well. And we'll have to explore this in another video, but his health was pretty poor for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. And he was determined that he was to go back and, and finish out his tour of duty. Wow. And so he writes to his, uh, I forget if it's to his mother or his father, but he's writing to his parents who had written to him in a letter that he had done enough. (laughs) And lovingly, he rebukes his parents. And he says, and this is one of my favorites, but there is no promise of life and peace and no decree of death and war. I am so confident of the sincerity of my motives that I can trust my own life and the welfare of my family in the hands of providence. Mm. So, and I've said this on tours, when people ask me uh about this and even sometimes when they don't that basically to paraphrase it in modern terminology saying i could walk across the street from Bowdoin to uh, to my house and get hit by a car uh only a horse and buggy in the, at that time uh and i could go off to war and never get another scratch yeah. that, uh, there's mm-hmm. no promise of life and peace no decree of death and war and this goes back to the earlier letter, my times are in his hands. That's right. And mm-hmm. so, it, and we just see this, this pattern, and you know, uh, time, uh, I don't even know that it's necessary, but if anybody's interested, there's multiple of these. Uh, you know, he, at the end of the war, uh, and we'll kind of finish up the war period with this, uh, he's on his way home, and Lincoln has been assassinated. Oh. And he's writing uh, to his sister, if I remember right, uh, but he's writing to home no, I'm sorry. He's writing to his wife. It will take a lifetime To tell you all that I have to tell these are terrible times, but I believe in God And he will bring good at last and again, this is the same thing we've already referenced. So it, as The heat turns up. Yeah, you see where his attention goes now you can make an argument I don't know his heart is he trying to convince himself or is he confident of it but the fact of the matter is many times i haven't even gotten as far as that so you think about times in your life when you you know what's right but you just don't do it and what we see is at least in some form he knew what the answer was and mm-hmm. he was uh, whether he's mm-hmm. uh, encouraging his family or his self or both right and well it's a pleasure i should have i should have videoed this because watching you talk
0: about it is as good as you know seeing the <laughs> The, the, the tears start to form. Same here. I mean, this guy, you know, when, you can't help but just have a heart for a man, whether they're a Christian or not, who's went through all that this guy has. And then to make a statement like that, that, you know, my life's in the hands of providence, you know, and, and what was that last statement that God's going to bring something good? I mean, can't help but think of like Romans 8. So this might not be a fair um, question to ask you, but I'm just curious when you think through if you were to sort of match General Chamberlain up with someone in the Bible that comes to your mind, I can't remember if I asked you this last time. Or you not. did, but I think I, it's a
1: good re, it's a good refresher because I've thought about it more since you said it. Yeah, I mean,
0: I know it's not it's not a fair question because even for each of us, I mean, we all think we'd like to be like Samson or David or or Jesus or Peter or whatever. But you know, if if you kind of had, you know, if, if we were walking along Chamberlain, who, yeah, who who comes to your mind? And maybe it's not just one person, but.
1: It's a a mixture, and and I think last time I I gave, uh, in in this order, I said Joshua, Paul, and with a little sprinkle of Moses. But uh, the more I think about it, and I I do see evidences of Moses, but uh, Joshua the soldier. Yeah. Okay? Okay. So if I were to say, uh, Mm -hmm. if I were to make it an Old Testament and a New Testament, Mm -hmm. Joshua the soldier... Uh, as for me and my yeah. house, we will yeah. serve the Lord. You yeah. see that kind of confidence and that yeah. he—that he, that is his background. He wasn't the minister. Yeah. Be strong and very courageous. Right? Yeah, was I, like, I yeah. think of meeting with Dale Crass yeah. recently, and we yeah. were talking about, you know, he felt his call to politics was what God wanted him to do. And that's yeah. something we can lose touch on that, you know, I'm working at Down East or Hammond or, mm-hmm. or the, the school, wherever you are, is it where God's called you? That's and right. Chamberlain expressly made that clear that God had called him to do what he had done in the war. Yeah. And so Joshua and Paul, uh, for two reasons. One, in Paul, I see depth of knowledge of Scripture. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Paul referencing so many oh. times, uh, we've talked about it, arguably, apart from... Uh, Solomon and excluding Christ may be one of the wisest men in Scripture. Uh, and, and Chamberlain shows that evidence of knowing Scripture. And also Paul, is he shows a little soldier in him too. Well, and, and just the wit, if that's a good term. I yeah. mean, General Chamberlain seems
0: like he was an extremely... You were making a comment to me earlier that very... Um, Poetic, but but I'm trying to think of almost uh, maybe Elizabethan would be a good term. Yeah, in, in his writing, you know, I know you've got a bunch of different you know articles in front of us here, and some will have to come back for uh, the 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 faith and the family of General Chamberlain, in Part Two. But yeah, I mean, give give us kind of a couple things as we sort of wind our way down with Part head. One. Yeah, you know, yep. what would be some things in the book you have in front of you is what again?
1: Well, The Passing of the Armies is, uh, the, you can find many things that are said to be written by Chamberlain. Uh, the, usually most of those, he gave a lot of lectures, mm-hmm. Would be a, they called them orations. but uh, And so a lot of, that's what you're actually, he didn't really write any books except for this one. Okay. Uh, this is the book, The Passing of the Armies. Uh, he died before it was published. And his daughter published it oh, wow. uh, right after he died so it was published in 1915 he died in 1914 it was completed and i just have this vision of a manuscript sitting on his desk kind of a thing right. uh, and he and, and we we had some serious stuff this is uh and i'm not the hebrew so i'll let you laugh of it because i'm gonna probably butcher this but this shows the wit mm-hmm. as well as the knowledge of Scripture. Uh, it's at the in this section. It's if somebody wants to look it up, it's page 276 of the passing of the armies, uh, depending upon the edition. Uh, he's talking. It's it's the end of the war and the camp. His camp. He's he's now a brigade commander, uh, and actually at this point he he might even be uh, in charge of of a division. But he, so he's got he's got a camp that he's overseeing, and it's not in very good condition to put it in military terminology. The war is over, and they're having a little problem keeping discipline in the ranks. Yeah. And you can almost envision he he describes what's going on, but uh, he, so he makes he makes this statement. He says to us in so-called headquarters, and again, you get this kind of dry wit. To, in so-called headquarters, though quarters were not perfectly distinguished, that. Night amidst such mingling of elements, which he's already described, okay. a kind of ichnotherosaurian sleep, which is a reptilian dolphin-like animal. Okay. So it shows his knowledge of science. Uh, this it's extinct. Uh, this ichnotherosaurian sleep came at last. Dreaming the whole night. Uh, dreaming uh, the whole earth was about this way once. And fully sympathizing with the Hebrew description of it as tohu vohu, if not exactly without form and void. Huh. So basically, you know, with some people can't hear people read and I kind of slumbered through it a little bit. He's basically saying, listen, my camp is... Uh, my room isn't in very good condition right now. It's without form and void. But he can't just say without form and void. He's got to quote the Hebrew. I love it. And that brings in the wit. It brings in the knowledge because he knew at least eight to ten languages, maybe twelve. Wow. And he would read and write in these languages. And we'll maybe in future we'll explore some of these. Uh, I think I've referenced one of my favorite quotes. It comes from his niece. Alice Farrington, who is his sister's daughter, okay. say, uh, and she told a story to the guy who wrote Soul of a Lion in 1960, and she died in 1960. She told the story directly of uh, Chamberlain taking a trip to the Mediterranean and huh. going to Egypt. And he mm-hmm. read the Quran in the original. Huh. So process that. And I remember when I read that, it was like, Okay, that's interesting, but he's an academic, he, and, but here's what I love, but he kept a copy of the New Testament by his bedside and would read equal portions each night of the Quran and end with the Bible before he went to bed. So you see this, this the scholar, you see the academic, and you see somebody who, uh, you know, he can read the Quran in the original, I don't right. care what it is, I mean, you can read, he can read things in the original, and, but he's guarded. Yeah. uh you know he, he uh, guards your heart um you know so that is in yeah we really have kind of touched touched the surface there's there's a lot we could you know we could get into. oh there. no we're
0: hey this is perfect like we talked about we're uh this is just part one we might even have and that way we don't have to say part five we can we can do several parts but but I think just for people to understand you know that what you're saying if you're arguing with me and I'm telling you that Chamberlain was not a Christian which I don't believe, but if I was saying that, the evidence you presented to me here is is pretty open and shut. This guy was either the greatest actor we've ever known, or <laughs> bottom line, this man was a genuine believer. He had a conversion. And that was the final thing I wanted to ask you. Did, did Chamberlain ever have, or did he ever talk about his sort of conversion experience? Um, well, no, I haven't read it. You haven't read it. So if you were to sort of guess, I'm guessing that it probably was sometime, you know, literally between, as the medal was tested, between probably 1848 and when he was in the Civil War. He may look back to sometimes a teenager, but it seems, because it seems like in my own life, when I look back to my salvation experience, you know, I had sort of a day and a date, but, you know, the more you grow in your Christian faith, you kind of realize that, you know, you do have your Moseses and your Pauls, where they kind of have a day and a date. But when did Peter trust Christ? What was it in Matthew 16? But then he denied him. You know, the reality is, it's not so much about a day and a date. If you have that, or you pray to prayer, great. But it's about a faith that's living and active. And you look back and you go, wow, I was here. And I'm, you know, and I think we see that in Chamberlain.
1: Well, and and I think, (laughs) you know, any any father speaking with two men who has children uh, can appreciate, uh, and you're, you're trying to bring them up in the ways of the Lord. You will appreciate the statement. You can raise them up in the ways of the Lord, but there comes a time when it, your faith has to become their faith, mm-hmm. and that's. I think that's what you're getting to is, uh, because you could make an argument. The evidence is, he had deep knowledge and understanding of spiritual things from a very early age, mm-hmm. uh, and, the, and I, I don't think there's any argument with that. But when did it become real? Right. Uh, when did, it, you know, because there's, before Bowdoin College, this talk about him teaching Sunday school. Uh, there's a reference to him teaching Sunday school before Bowdoin and during Bowdoin, right? Uh, apparently they paid their Sunday school teachers because it said that's how he paid for Bowdoin.
0: <laughs> so there's
1: a uh, Oh boy, we need to We need to talk to the trustees about this and uh, no jokingly Sorry,
0: sir, Well,
1: they also said he played the he played the piano uh, in the church and they paid him for that, too wow. so uh, different times which surprises me for early Maine, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, I agree with you uh, I mean obviously by the time of college he had become serious because by college we see purpose and he he has a he has a desire to do something
0: yeah and and i didn't mean to put the the the, the screws to you so much on that you know i I I, I think in a lot of ways that actually encourages me because i think one of the things in modern christianity is you know uh, so many people will go back and say well i prayed a prayer i went forward this and that And, and those things are not wrong i know a lot of people that were genuinely saved that way but the the evidence of scripture on genuine salvation is not you made a decision on this day it's are you living a life um, that shows that Jesus Christ has changed you? And, and the, the only two ways we know that that really happens is how you live and how you speak. And when, when, when I look at Chamberlain's life, it seems to me like he's got a pretty open and closed shut case that, hey, this was a guy that lived it. So, I, so, so, you know, maybe next time we can address that a little deeper. But I want to ask you to close us. If General Chamberlain was talking today to, to me as a Christian... And to someone that's a non-Christian, and, and you just had, you know, a couple of moments as you close this, what, you know, from your knowledge, what do you think he would say in 2022, you know, to someone who's a Christian, and like, what, what would just be a few things he might say, and if for somebody that would say that he wasn't a Christian, um, you know, what would you sort of leave as some, uh, uh, some salt, if you will, in the wound for us as we come back next time and kind of pick up in part two?
1: Well, if I you know for those who who question it I would say shoot me a message and'll I'll give you some material uh, that would be the quick answer because it's and, and again ultimately only God knows the heart yeah uh, I mean one uh, and I'm watching our time so I'm not sure how much we get but uh, his final term is governor and and maybe this is a good way to think it so what would he say to us I think yeah. it would be very similar here <clears throat> as he's this is literally his last a state of the state address okay and it's the closing yeah. and so as he's finishing his address he concludes with it is thus that they who labor must also wait that they who are faithful shall endure it matters little what becomes of us if we so conduct our uh, conduct our great concernments that they who come after us are thereby made wiser and better than we it matters little that our poor toil seems buried in the dust if so be that it shall spring up again to bless the coming time the ways of providence seem slow to our brief and impetuous lives but they are swift in the centuries of god I think that's what you would say. Straight fire, man.
0: That's, <laughs> brother, and, that's some good stuff. And I
1: love that because, you know, as, as we wrap it up, we're living in a culture that is questioning its past. Yeah. And literally the words of the governor back then was, it doesn't matter. Yeah. All that matters is if we were faithful and did something to make the next generation better. Okay. And then it's on the next generation, what Amen. they do with it. So Chamberlain, Chamberlain is taking that kind of pragmatic attitude and he's saying, listen, be faithful. Amen. And God is swift. I, I'm thinking, and, and you can correct me, um, you know,
0: if I'm wrong as we close, but I'm thinking of a couple of phrases that come to mind. Uh, I had a teacher in college that said to us, life is hard, but God is good. Yeah. I, I think that sounds like Chamberlain. Uh, yes. And, 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 and the other one is I got three, three F's uh, that came to my mind. Faith, faithfulness, and finish. Yeah. Chamberlain seems like the kind of guy that you, you can see faith, all through his life, and then that faith produced faithfulness, which is a fruit of the spirit, and that faithfulness produced a finish. This guy wouldn't quit. No, you know, and not not, not that there are non-Christians that that's not true about. Sure, uh, there, there's some non-Christians that were stubborn and faithful. Sure, but but there's a there's a different genuineness for those of us that are believers, where even when we want to quit, <laughs> God won't let us. You know, and so I I don't know. Those are. You know, from what you, have and just a little bit I've read, I feel like faith, faithfulness, and finish,
1: Um, so. Well, and talk about finish. and this might be an excellent, to put the icing on the cake, is Chamberlain, uh, it's 1913. I'm sorry, actually, it's January of 1914. He's writing to his sister, who's still alive. She's the last one. And he is, uh, he's gonna pass away in less than a month. Mm. And, uh, which was what makes this, it's the last known letter to his sister. And he says to his sister, if the dear Lord has appointed me to live a little longer, I am resolved. It shall be of good to me and others. Mm. I am trying to get a little closer to God and know Him better. Mm. Wow. And I think that's, as you are talking about finishing, that's, that's Paul. Yeah, amen. No, yeah. That's Paul. Uh, give me the scrolls, give me the parchments. That's right. And I Timothy this right. letters to you.
0: Yeah, what what's that phrase? We'll get to it. Uh, I have finished the course. I've kept the faith, Yeah. you know. Amen. Wow, well, yeah. that, that's great. Yeah, I can't I can't add any to that. What were you reading that from by the way? That, that final
1: That final quote is it it, it literally uh, it can be found in a book, but it's it's a letter from him to to his sister, his sister. on January 20th. Wow. His sister say, and she would die 1921. Wow. 7 years later. Wow. And and you know, as as we close, not only
0: was this a a, a a godly man who loved the Lord and I think had a Christian faith? But he also had a real perception. You you maybe next time when we come back, you were talking about how he saw the winds of World War One coming yeah. and would die about three years before World War One started. I don't remember the exact date, but 1917 is when at least the whole
1: war- world yeah, yeah. I think, he died in 14 so yeah
0: but i think some of the wars had already started in 13 and 14 but then everything would really blow up in 17 and 19 right yeah. when we got involved and so you know what a uh well thank seriously thank you for your time and uh if you will kindly maybe we'll uh we're, we're recording this on a friday so maybe we'll come back next friday we got to do part two again at some point and what we're going to kind of do just to etch it out as we close is we we started with kind of the a little bit of just you gave us an a overview. timeline yeah an overview and then we're kind of hope focusing on this faith for a while and then we're going to come back throughout the end of 2022 here in 2023 god willing and just start marching through so some of the things you've talked about here we'll go into a little bit deeper and uh get into you know some of those that are civil war buffs out there you you're a civil war buff yourself and so you can get into some things there but there's a lot more to general chamberlain the civil war right oh yeah I mean, yeah you know he, he was governor uh, father um you know lecturer uh, statesman i mean this guy did a little bit of everything yeah uh, and one of my favorite stories is uh at, at appomattox and i'll leave that maybe for next time you know when he comes so any closing thoughts <laughs>
1: <clears throat> no it's just that you know i would say as with anybody uh one of the easiest things to do is to uh, uh make a pantheon of of Men. Mm-hmm. And I think Chamberlain was aware of this. And Chamberlain <clears> was <throat> mortal, you know. Uh, I think of the, the classical line and I'm not this this classical, but prick us do we not bleed. Hmm. And you know, Chamberlain, you know, we'll get into this. Chamberlain had his shortcomings, he had his his failures. But I think it all comes back to it's happy to feel oneself forgiven. Yes, and sir. I think he understood that. Amen. And you know, I'll just close by that phrase you read, I, I'm
0: just stuck by it. Um, my all sufficiency. Yeah. you know um, wow I, I can't think of a hundred hymns right now that go along with that so yeah. thank you
1: yeah uh, thank you a lot of fun today
0: again I'm with Troy Ancona for Northeast by Midwest this was Jonathan Jones we got to spend some time with the general on his faith and family and we'll come back for part two and who knows how many parts there'll be uh, soon God bless and have a great day